This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. We've made it to Wednesday. It's November 18th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Corporate America's failure to retain Black employees. Plus, a new group wants to jumpstart electric car sales. But first, the troop withdrawal in Afghanistan is today's one big thing. It was just over a week ago that President Trump fired Defense Secretary Mark Esper. And yesterday, we heard Acting Defense Secretary Christopher Miller announce we'll be cutting back on the number of troops in the Middle East. By January 15th, 2021, our forces, their size in Afghanistan will be 2,000. 500 troops. Our force size in Iraq will also be 2,500 by that same date. Axios's world editor Dave Lawler has been reporting on this. And Dave, I wonder if we should back up for a minute and start with Mark Esper. What do we know about why he was fired? So Axios reported there's sort of two rationales for that. One is that Mark Esper, who was the defense secretary, was an opponent of pulling out of Afghanistan. And in fact, a memo was leaked in which he laid out his objections to the idea of pulling the troops down any more before the end of Trump's term. So that was an obstacle to a policy that Trump wanted. And so he's out of the picture. And so now we've got Christopher Miller as acting defense secretary and very quickly hear this announcement of withdrawing troops Can you give us any background on President Trump's decision-making here? So you remember that Trump came into office having vowed on the campaign trail to end the war in Afghanistan, but relatively quickly, he was actually convinced by his national security at the time to recommit to the war in Afghanistan. So he actually increased troop levels there in 2017. And then more recently, he has sort of recommitted to the goal of getting out of Afghanistan. And so we've seen a big switch in the opposite direction and lots of people in the administration still trying to put the brakes on and making sure that it's an orderly withdrawal as opposed to, as Trump has sometimes floated, an almost immediate withdrawal. And what are you hearing from the government in Afghanistan after this was announced? It's not good news for the government of Afghanistan because they are in these negotiations with the Taliban. And the leverage on the U.S. side and on the Afghan government side is that the Taliban want the U.S. troops out. So they think they're in a weaker position if the U.S. troops pull out before there's any real progress on these peace talks. And what are we hearing from NATO? So NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg was actually pretty dire in his warning. He said that if there's a hasty NATO and U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, the country could again become basically a hotbed for international terror groups like ISIS and al-Qaeda. And Stoltenberg sent a pretty clear indication that this withdrawal was not coordinated with the broader NATO mission, which is basically to stay in Afghanistan, to train the Afghan military, and to prevent the rise of terror groups again on Afghan soil. And so it's very difficult to see NATO continuing that mission because the U.S. is so core to the NATO mission there, just in terms of personnel, infrastructure, technology. What are you going to be watching for in the next couple of weeks now? 
also one interesting thing is how Joe Biden is going to play this. He has long called for an end to the war in Afghanistan, but he is open to the idea of leaving a counterterrorism force. A lot of people have said that if the U.S. pulls out, al-Qaeda will be back, it will be unstable. And so the idea is that you leave a small contingent in there to prevent that from happening as far as that's possible. And so actually, Joe Biden might be walking into a situation he's fairly comfortable with, where there will be a small U.S. presence in Afghanistan, Trump will actually have completed a lot of the withdrawal that Democrats have been calling for, but won't be entirely out by January. Dave Lawler is Axios' world editor. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Nyla. We'll be back in 15 seconds with a reality check on corporate America's pledge to Black professionals. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Axios Today. Companies have pledged to hire and retain more Black professionals since the nationwide protests and calls for real change around systemic racism. Axios's Erica Pandy has been reporting out how widespread this problem is. Erica, I think we should probably start with what's pushing professional Black employees out of companies? So now the stat is super clear. It's super stark. A third of Black professionals don't feel respected or valued at work. And it's as simple as that. When you don't feel like you have value at your workplace, that pushes people out the door and you start to see big, big rates of attrition. I wonder if we can zero in on Google. They are transparent enough, unlike many companies, to release their turnover statistics. What do those numbers say? Right now, Black employees make up a little less than 3% of their workforce, which is already pretty abysmal. And attrition rates for Black employees at Google is 13% higher than the national average. And then, you know, going even a little deeper, I looked also at attrition rates for Native American employees at Google, and that's 40% higher than the national average. So big companies really have to lead the way on this, and they simply aren't right now. How can they? Around the George Floyd protests, we saw a lot of companies tweet Black Lives Matter and make these bold proclamations, but organizations have a lot of inertia, and it's very difficult for them to make actual change. So some things that could actually start to change things are companies being very transparent within their employee base about how they're hiring, recruiting, and promoting folks. There can be processes to report microaggressions and things you see And finally, even with those processes to report microaggressions and harassment, companies need to do something about it. There needs to be a process by which they can hold managers and leaders accountable and fire them when necessary. Erica Pandy writes the At Work newsletter. Thanks, Erica. Thanks, Nyla. There's a new coalition in town that's announcing a very ambitious policy to make electric vehicle models account for 100% of all new vehicle sales by 2030. Ben Geeman is an energy reporter for Axios, and he's here to tell us about Zeta, the Zero Emissions Transportation Association. Hey, Ben, so for you, what's the most interesting thing about this coalition coming together? 
I think what's so fascinating about this new organization is that it really shows in a lot of ways that the electric vehicle industry and a lot of sort of related corporate interests have sort of left the nest. This new organization includes a whole constellation of other interests. You've got a bunch of utilities, you've got a bunch of electric vehicle charging companies. And I think what this shows is that you've got now this discrete, separate electric vehicle specific organization that really shows this industry has come into its own. How are they going to try to convince people to only buy electric cars? I mean, look, right now, electric vehicles are still a niche thing, right? They account for about 1% to 2% of sales. And so some of their goals are things like expanding consumer incentives. But that's kind of just the starting point for them, right? They have a whole other series of things that they'd like to see in terms of much stronger vehicle emissions and efficiency standards, as well as new federal resources for electric vehicle charging infrastructure and several other things. There's a lot of investor money coming into electric vehicle startups, right? Like I said, electric vehicles are a tiny percentage of sales now. The investor hive mind thinks that is going to eventually grow a great deal. You know, I'd be very surprised if it hit 100% of new car sales or anything close to it by 2030. But a lot of people and investors with a lot of money see the current percentages growing a lot in the coming years. Ben Geeman writes the Axios Generate newsletter. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me on. A lot of people are working from home and spending more time than ever with their pets. And whether you're one of those people or not, you can now spend time virtually with some of the world's smartest dogs. One university in Budapest is live streaming their new project, the Genius Dog Challenge, where every Wednesday you can watch six dogs from around the world compete to see who understands the most words. The next toy that the dogs should bring for whiskey and for uh, Rico, it's Loli. Guys, are you ready? Rico's from Spain. Whiskey's from Norway. They started off the challenge last week by learning the name of six new toys. Each week, they get more words to memorize. You can see the rest of the dogs, Max, Squall, Gaia, and Nalani, square off until a champion is crowned on December 16th. That does it for us today. You can always give us feedback at podcasts at axios.com or find me on Twitter at Nyla Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow.